Hello, everybody, and thanks for coming back to the Real Estate Rundown with Shannon Robnett. Today, my guest is a gentleman by the name of Kerry Lutz. I just learned that not only is he a recovering attorney, having had a commercial law practice, but he's been a successful entrepreneur in the distressed asset business. He's also been involved in the precious metals business and comes to us with a really great background, guys, on what is coming next in our world and how stabilization or the stability of currency is going to be affecting us as we come out of our little COVID cocoons. And so, Larry, Kerry, let's just say hi to everybody and tell us a little bit more about yourself. Yeah, sure thing. Uh, appreciate you having me on, Shannon. It's a pleasure to be here and always been a startup junkie, entrepreneur, was an attorney for 30 years, didn't practice all that time, thank goodness. The most unhappiest parts of my career was when I was practicing law full time, more like always had an attraction to business. And I pretty much was an Austrian uh, devotee of the Austrian School of Economics, which pretty much explains much of what we've been going through with business cycles, currencies, inflation, all these things. And after 2009, the uh, collapse, I just really didn't care to practice law anymore, wandered around and finally started a podcast, financialsurvivalnetwork.com, done over 7,000 episodes there, have interviewed wow. literally several thousand financial experts from around the globe. And uh, I can't say I have, I have a crystal ball and could tell you exactly what's going to happen, but I have a pretty good idea of what could happen and what you need to really be prepared for. Well, let's just jump right in, Gary. Let's, let's get to the goods. What, what do you see? So what we're seeing outside of pandemic, a pandemic, a pandemic, whatever everybody wants to call it, we're sitting here today with, with record high unemployment. We're coming off of some great stock market runs. We're coming off of a great real estate market and now all of a sudden we have this that's come along and here we are what do you see coming in the next three to six months in the short term okay well the next three to six months are pretty easy to foretell well look i think the economy will reopen i think uh, quicker than most people envision because it's come down to an existential decision whether you're going to uh, support your family keep working earn income or just let everything go to hell. And I think that the governors who've been trying to put the brakes on this, and arguably those in the federal government as well, are fighting a losing battle. For better or for worse, people are coming back out. I'm in Florida. I just went to a strip mall, and I'd say they had two-thirds to three-quarters the number of cars in the parking lot that they usually do, and that's without having seating at the restaurants. We're going to reopen probably within the next 30 days virtually everywhere. Like when Elon Musk starts uh, laying down the law to the state of California, <laughs> either I open up or I move, then you know, you know, he's, uh, he says he's a libertarian, but he's a libertarian with an appetite for government subsidies. And whatever he is, he just said, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it. And a lot of you out there were cheering him on. So this thing's going to be over with shortly. But the debt and the structural damage to the economy is going to be with us for quite a while. And one thing I'd like to emphasize, call this, uh, you know, the, you can blame it on the COVID-19 virus, the whole uh, unemployment, economic shutdown and all that. We were headed for a major bust. There was nothing that was going to stop that. And as far as the magnitude of it and, uh, and what's happened since, a lot of that is due to government reaction. And I'm not going to 
pass judgment whether it's right or wrong to what it is. And perhaps it would have been a minor blip for every day that it uh, that we don't reopen, the consequences uh, grow. But in any event, I expect eventually the stock market will uh, continue growing. You got to look at the economic landscape. We've had trillions of dollars in liquidity and funds injected into the economy. And this is this is a uh, money that doesn't exist, that uh, that basically the Federal Reserve has printed out of thin air. So at some point, you can pretty much take it to the bank that consumer prices will go up. We've had inflation since 08, 09 in terms of real estate, in terms of trophy real estate, especially artwork, collectibles. We've had growth in inflation due to the increase in the money supply, but we didn't have a lot of velocity. So it didn't hit the consumer price index. And velocity is every time, how many times a dollar turns over, how long it takes it to turn over without getting into the technical aspects. So what does it mean going ahead? Well, we've got all this helicopter money, uh, money that, uh, free money, they've just given out. Um, we've got a real issue in real estate because somewhere like 48 million properties are investor owned and are rental units. And a lot of them are single family homes and small multifamily homes that have federally insured mortgages and they're allowed to get a forbearance. But to many of you out there, have experienced that your tenants are out of work and have basically stopped paying you the rent. And they pretty much know that you have no ability to evict at this particular point in time. And I predict that the moratorium on foreclosures and on evictions will continue for, uh, for quite a while, at least another three to six months. It'll go through the summer. It might very well go to the end of the year. So if, you are, if you've got a mortgage on a rental unit, on a single family home, one to four, you can get a forbearance and you might want to think about that, uh, but obviously be aware of the terms of that forbearance and a deferral. Ideally, you want that money uh, to be payable upon closing, upon sale of the mortgage or refinancing of it, upon sale of the property or refinancing of the mortgage. Whether it works that way or not, I can't tell you. So in some respects, uh, people are making more money now unemployed than they were being employed because you've got the CARES Act which added uh, for 14 weeks, $600 per week, additional for unemployment insurance. And there was a big stink in the Congress over it. We're not gonna debate the economic uh, viability of that. Does not make sense? It is. There's an incentive for people not to go back to work or lower paid employees because in certain states, they're paying them the regular state unemployment plus the 600. They're even paying it for Uber drivers, for what you call sole proprietorships, independent contractors. And unemployment insurance has never been available to you out there before. So I would recommend everybody apply for it. Most states that will be retroactive to when you lost your job. So we have that. So we've got all this liquidity. You've already seen the stock market bounce back. There are those who say it's going to go down to 5,000. I'm of the belief it's probably going to continue higher because the Federal Reserve has flooded the banks with liquidity and they the money's going to the market, plain and simple. So what it means for real estate, though, is these are really dangerous times and you want to use leverage, but you want to use it wisely. And... It's hard to know that with 20% unemployment, that means one out of every five people walking around don't have jobs. How are they going to pay you? How are they going to pay you your rent? And you, know, you don't know the answer to that. So be very selective with tenants. I mean, obviously, if they have government jobs, so much the better. Although now they're saying that some states, some municipalities are going to be laying off 
government workers. It makes a lot of sense to use leverage, but you have to use it wisely. For instance, if you're uh, getting a duplex and you're going to live in one half of it and the tenant will live in the other half and hopefully pay your mortgage, that makes a lot of sense or a quad whatever. Uh, I can see that. I think that because it's going to reopen faster than anyone thinks, that rate will go down. Unlike 0809, where we had 12, 14% unemployment, those people were laid off. They were done. Most of these people have been furloughed. So the question boils down to small businesses. Are they going to go out? If they go out, then you're going to have major unemployment. They're saying, I read a statistic today, but they had no idea what they're talking about, that 42% of the people were unemployed would stay unemployed. I just don't believe that's going to be the case. It might be closer to 25% to a third. You just don't know. I think that small businesses are much more, having been in small business my whole life, are much more resilient than the uh, people out there, the government, et cetera, are giving them credit for. And probably 20 to 40% have gotten the PPP money. So that might be enough to get them, keep them going. A lot of companies, restaurants, didn't close down all the way. They're doing takeout. I was in a restaurant uh, last Saturday in Martin County, Florida. That had been open for a week, and the place was packed on Saturday night, and it wasn't a cheap place. So my guess is things will open much quicker than anybody believes possible. That rate, we might very well see 25% of those people permanently lose their jobs. There's certain companies that just weren't viable before the uh, pandemic, and now their unviability, if that's a word, has become very apparent, and they'll have to close their doors. I mean, you've seen Uber laying off people, uh, Lyft, uh, Airbnb, all of them. But on the other hand, uh, the charts for the uh, hotel and airline industry, they're kind of making a formation that shows they're going to go higher. The market knows everything if you just look at it that way, but the market's being heavily manipulated, obviously. So we could well see, look, you've been trapped in your house for two months. If you got right. any money left on your card and you still have a job, you want to go someplace. Right. And I'm already booking flights. You know, you're getting great deals on airfares, hotels, like hotels that were charging $300 a night in Vegas. I just booked my flight. Uh, I think I'm paying $104 a night for right. a hotel that was 300 350 So all these deals are abundant, and all you need to get people to do to travel is just offer outrageous discounts for the next couple of months, you know, $25 from uh, Miami to New York or right. uh, $50 from New York to uh, L.A. or whatever. Um, you know, we got energy prices really low generational multi-generational lows right. and the last time i walked i went i filled up my car with the premium i got 12 gallons of premium and a car wash for 25 dollars uh, <laughs> unheard of so that right. is an increase in purchasing power right and that's good for a lot of businesses a lot of factories their second largest expense after labor is generally energy it's going to stay that way for a while it will go up higher but it's not going back probably to $60, $80 a barrel for a matter of years. I mean, you never know. We could see this inf inflationary fueled crack up boom, they call it, where the money's becoming worthless. Everybody is just spend, spend, spend before it becomes worthless. And then you get a crack up boom. I don't foresee that. I do think the uh, stock market 
probably going to go higher, like I said, because of the liquidity. And then going back to real estate, because that's the topic of your show, we got generational low interest rates, record low rates. And if you can refi, you should be refiing right now and using uh, the difference to buy, if you can take cash out, if that's possible, uh, use that to buy additional properties because regardless, residential people are gonna need a place to live and the population's still gonna go higher. And in, in markets, buy the properties in markets where they're not uh, tenant friendly. Down south, generally, uh, you get the uh, best uh, landlord protections but understand that you're not gonna be able to throw anybody out for not paying the rent for quite a while, perhaps. And that's a real possibility. So real estate is going to be good because look, assuming you, the rents, maybe the rents will go down. I think prices, um, especially for higher end property, it's gonna go down. It's, it's just uh, the, baked into the cake. But for the uh, middle-class housing, it might go down a little. I think you'll see markets like where I am in Florida uh, probably going to improve because a lot of people realize they don't want to be in those big northern cities anymore and they will right. be a flight out of there in all likelihood. Uh, they're going to be renting, but we are going to have major foreclosures. Six million people, the last number I heard, that was a few weeks ago, had applied for mortgage deferrals and a friend of mine who's got properties in a low income area in uh, upstate New York uh, said about 10% of his, his tenants stopped paying. That seems to be the number. Another friend of mine up in, uh, in Massachusetts said he's collecting better than 90% of his rents. And if you're federally insured mortgage and you're in forbearance, you can't throw them out. You can't throw anybody out. You can't foreclose now for the foreseeable future. It's pretty much a moratorium in every major area. Yeah, one of the things that I think we learned from 08 and 09 in 2010 is that the banks didn't want the foreclosures back. You know, there was all this, uh, these terms called shadow inventory and these other things that, that I think, I think we're still close enough to that. Don't you think that banks are going to look at that and go, you know what, I've got a guy that went through COVID. He was paying the rent or he was paying the mortgage. He had tenants, he had everything in place, but maybe we can just find a way to legally stay FDIC insured and keep him in place so that we don't have to take it back because when the bank takes it back, they lose money. Then they've got to go to the, the federal government government for that. Yeah. Don't you see that there will find a way to make it so that it really doesn't cause the kind of foreclosures that we anticipated and we had in 9, 10, and 11? Yeah, well, that was a nightmare. We don't want to go back to that. And I think Congress this time put in that forbearance laws in the CARES Act. And for larger landlords, I guess they figured they'll figure it out. So I think the intent here is just to get people through the initial emergency and then figure out what else needs to be done. Yeah, the banks don't want to take back the properties. In many places now, you know, it's much more complicated to foreclose. But in a place like Florida, you can foreclose. It used to take two, three years to get somebody out. Now it probably could be done in, you know, judicial states under a year in many of them. Um, hard the to other know thing, exactly. 
The other thing that if we remember from 08, Carrie, was that we had a lot of inventory when the problem started. And that's one thing that I know that we don't have a lot of nationwide. And it's kind of like the unemployment. If, if we do have 25% of those that were employed pre-COVID not go back to work, we've lost, uh, what's, what's the latest projection? 20 million jobs. So we've got 5 million people that don't go back to work, which is less than 2%. And in the Pacific Northwest, we had an unemployment of about three and a half. So that puts us at five and a half, which is more normal, which really isn't a whole lot of reason to panic should some of these predictions come true if we stop watching MSNBC or Fox or whichever one you want to pick. Oh, yeah. And I think the banks learned a valuable lesson. They're lousy property managers. They're lousy, they're lousy lenders, too. They're constantly right. figuring out new and more creative ways to lose money. But when it came to the, you know, I mean, I had just seen it down here in Florida. They to, you know, made an offer on a short sale, couldn't buy it. Two years later, they finally auctioned off the property for $18,000 more than what I offered. It was a sheer act of madness. They were paying property management, cutting the lawn. They had to rehab the place. I was just taking it as is. They must have lost $50,000, $60,000 more on that property, holding it two years longer when I would have just taken it off their hands and they would have been done with it. And they've and done they that thousands of thousands of times in Florida alone. Millions. <laughs> Millions. Yeah, and I think, you know? Shannon, you make a great point. You made a great point that this isn't a real estate-induced depression or recession, whatever you want to call it. It's a different factor. And the market, you know, actually had to show income and show ability to repay the mortgage. You had to have six months of uh, carrying costs in the bank before they would uh, extend a mortgage to you. All these things make it uh, much different. So in the long run, real estate, especially if it's inflationary, where consumer prices are going up and you'll get rents increasing at the rate of inflation, while your costs won't be, probably the place to be, but just tread wisely. I think what we'll see a lot more of this time is short sales, but short sales that actually work rather than short sales that they get bounced around for six months and then they foreclose anyway because they don't want the properties back. If that's the one thing right. they've learned from the Great Recession is this is a bad business model. We don't want any part of it. You know, they had whole divisions of these banks holding onto these properties, trying trying to maintain them so they didn't rot out before they could be resold. And a lot yeah. of them did rot out and were moldy. You know the stories. So, oh, yeah. So real estate people, I just think that uh, it'll be more difficult to uh, to acquire the properties without some kind of creative financing. One thing I think is going to happen, Shannon, I think that it's going to be harder to get mortgages and you're going to see these owner financed properties all over the place. Yeah. You're thinking that we're going to have the seller financed properties starting to come available because the guy that thought owning 10 units in his retirement was going to be a great thing to do. He's now discovered that it's too much work. When the tenants didn't pay, he and his wife freaked out. They didn't have anything, to, any money, nothing going on. So they're going to offer it. And when the bank comes back and says that you've got to have six months of interest reserve, and then we want to go with a 65% LTV instead of a 75% LTV, this gentleman's going to take his retirement and say, you guys take it and give me a second on it. Is that is that the scenario you're talking about? Yeah, a second, mm -hmm. a wrap. 
a wraparound mm -hmm. mortgage. Right. You know, some people do own them for cash, but yeah, definitely. Those were very popular in the, in the eight, late 80s and early 90s. You know, we've already seen JP Morgan Chase say that they're not making any small business loans other than those guaranteed by the federal government, and they're cutting back, they're requiring higher credit scores. I mean, this is the uh, handwriting on the wall here that money is going to get tighter. We haven't seen it yet because the government's pumping so much money in, but if the banks have the money, they're going to put it into the stock market and into trading rather than into mortgages. Even though the mortgages are guaranteed by the federal government, most of them, I just see, I see it tightening up and I think you will have uh, for sale by owner, you know, um, owner financing, all of this. So let me ask you this question, Kerry. What I hear you saying is that we're going to open up fairly rapidly. We're going to go back to what feels normal fairly quickly, but that's not where the danger zone is. Where, where's the danger zone in this? The danger zone is probably a year or two down the road where the new normal kind of looks and feels like the old normal, but just that uh, the risk risk is higher and money is harder to come by. You know, it just uh, trends that we saw in motion. I think a lot of these people sitting in these McMansions that were built like crazy in the 90s and early 2000s aren't going to have anybody to sell them to. They'll probably have to turn them into Airbnbs. You know, it was funny about Airbnbs because that's a viable business model for many of you real estate owners out there, especially if they're local properties and you can oversee them yourself. A little harder to do it remotely. It can kept looking at Airbnb saying, seems perfect. What can make this thing blow up? What can make this short-term rental model not viable anymore? So, so what's, what am I missing here? There's a risk that's not perceived by the market because it just keeps going up and up. Do and you up still have that question? And got to answer. The market always <laughs> got answer. answers your questions sooner, <laughs> sooner or later. And hey, you know, you get 20, 30% IRR on these right. short-term rentals. But again, Airbnb is going to come back. You know mm -hmm. why? Because hotels nickel and dime you for everything. And the reason Airbnb started in the first place was an overreaction or a reaction to the exploitive policies of America's uh, innkeepers. You know, you can go rent a whole apartment for the same cost of uh, as you rent a hotel room, probably a third of it in many cities. And uh, hey, you cook your own food. So budget travel, travel's coming back, but it will be on a budget. And, and that's kind of cool, you know? So Airbnb, definitely. And if you can go uh, buy... No money down. So the no money down properties, even though technically I'm not supposed to sell you a property with a mortgage on it. You have a due on sale clause. And when the property is sold and the mortgage is supposed to be paid, there's all sorts of ways of obscuring it. I don't need to get into that. Probably can figure them out. But, you know, the Airbnb market will come back stronger. Hotels, you know... They'll come back, but they won't. It won't be like uh, the golden age from a year ago. So, Carrie, when we're—I mean, you've given us some great high-level stuff as far as what what we can see coming in the market, and the fact that as much as what we saw in the last 90 days is a shock to our system, what I hear you saying is we still have about 12 months to prepare for the real consequences to be paid. How would you advise someone that is maybe wanting to look at to take your advice and go? I got 12 months to get my affairs in order because then stuff's really going to get weird. How would you advise them? In an inflationary time period, you want to be a debtor. You don't want to be a creditor. So don't loan anybody money. Refinance everything you can at these rates. Take money out if you can. Build 
for, you know, we might not have the distressed market we had in 08 and 09. I haven't seen the prices come down yet, but we really haven't had a market the past month and a half because it's impossible to really right. look at properties as everyone's in quarantine and lockdown. But on the MLS, I've watched, it looks like 20 per, 15 to 20% of the properties are cutting prices. South Florida here. I don't know if that's representative or not. It wouldn't surprise me. I don't like to make a blanket, you know, sweeping generalizations for real estate because it's hundreds of different markets in the country. You want to be in the low tax states for sure. You want to be in a low regulatory annoyance states, meaning Texas, Florida is better than being in California because it's only going to get worse there. You can just take that to the bank. That's for sure. New York. Yeah, that's an uh, absolute. They got like boatloads of problems. So de, de um, urbanization. We've had a trend going back to more urban living the past 10 years, uh, especially the millennials, and that might reverse itself somewhat because the fact is in lesser dense, less densely populated areas, the virus was much less uh, devastating than in the, uh, in the worst areas in New York, Jersey, highest density, pop, population density. So make sure you keep your credit as good as you can. Okay. Don't uh, do deferrals on credit cards and car loans if it's going to mess up your credit, okay? Yeah. You're going to have to pay it back anyway. Don't buy new cars. It's a mistake. I don't care what they're giving you because the price of used cars is going way down and better to buy a two, three-year-old used car, lower mileage, where somebody else took the depreciation hit. Exactly. Okay. So do not buy vehicles unless you can just afford them and that's your thing. Pretty much, uh, if you're in a high-tax state, get out because it's going to get a lot more, a lot worse and a lot more draconian uh, regulatory wise. Well, and I, I talked with a friend of mine who worked for a major REIT and is in the LA area. And, you know, his statement was that there's initially, there's going to be a flood of everybody thinking to get out, but six or seven months from now, the mass exodus is going to trickle a little bit. You're going to be able to get your price for your house as you're trying to move out of state. And, but, you know, people looking to move from LA to Texas, you know, they're, you're, you're really packing up your whole life and, moving it. And so you're going to be, you're going to be trying to get every dollar out you can. And there's going to be a lot of those that are going to get stuck because they're going to want that last dollar out and they're not going to let go of it. Uh, the other thing that I hear you saying that I think is so smart is that you're going to want to look at where would you want to be stuck in quarantine because we didn't used to used to think about that before, but New York in a 400 square foot apartment is, is about as close to hell on earth as you're going to get where as if you're stuck in Florida, Texas, where you're stuck on your property, but you at least have a, a rear yard, you're in a whole different different place. I talked to a woman, she was in Chicago in a studio apartment, locked up for a 500 foot apartment. And that's where she was still working, still yeah. had her job, but uh, she was going crazy. And my place, I have to admit, I wasn't really super strict about the quarantine if I felt like going out. And I, a lot of outdoor sports here. Right. A lot, a lot of bike riding and walking. But, you know, like if I felt like going, it wasn't anything to do. But if I wanted to go for some entertainment to Target or Walmart, I went, you know, it's <laughs> like, I don't know what, if I felt I had to leave, then in my opinion, it was essential travel and yeah. nobody hassled me. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't have done it otherwise. So right. I don't think uh, we're going to see another quarantine anytime soon. This experiment uh, was a real bad failure that, you know, has generational implications so we're finished with quarantines unless we get a case of the black death coming yeah. through it's just not going to happen again but in terms of what people cared about value wise where they live and then you've got the whole thing of telecommuting 
remote work and you know we didn't we didn't even talk about uh, commercial real estate and uh, retail space but the uh, disasters that that nothing can stop they're going to have to right. repurpose all that stuff and i and i think that that's the thing that's been coming that retail space has been on its way out for a while and i think it just got its its uh, final demise accelerated and uh, you know office space oh, yeah. Oh, you're going to be able to see office space re repurposed into condominium space into you know some some things like that so i think you're going to see a lot of that coming along but for, for my listeners i want to i want to take a minute and and Harry, you have your your business is called the financial survival network and that i've gone through your website and i've seen what you've got there you've got a lot of information there about how to not only protect yourself from what's coming but how to profit during that time and so if you if you wouldn't mind, mm -hmm. just in a nutshell, if you could give a, a real estate guy who is who has been gung ho and and chasing real estate for ten years, and he's going to have to pivot, he's going to have to think outside of his real estate box. What is he going to want to do in the next twelve months that's different than what he thought four weeks ago, six weeks ago? I totally get where you're coming from, Shannon, and uh, I'm not a big stock market guy, but I do know mining stocks, which are the most dangerous sector of the stock market, resource stocks. Mm -hmm. They're so dangerous. There's a criteria, a checklist. The first thing is management. Have they succeeded before? Project, all this. You want to have some physical bullion on hand. Five, 10% of your portfolio in gold and silver. Silver is due for a huge rise. We've been saying that for years. Don't know when it's going to happen, but it's probably going to happen sooner rather than later now. And these mining stocks, you have to be really careful with them and uh, deal with people you trust. Your average stockbroker doesn't even know what a mining stock is. But in these times, I just remember 2011 seeing stocks go up 8, 12-fold in this junior sector. That's probably ahead of us. So do it wisely, judiciously. In addition, get out of companies that are over leveraged. I mean, they'll yeah. do well from the standpoint of inflation that they get to pay it back in cheaper dollars. They might not survive because they've taken on so much debt that they're just not going to. You gotta be a contrarian here. And right. tech certainly has been the driver. Will it continue to be? That's a good question. I don't know the answer. Like I say, I see the stock market going higher. I wouldn't start like diversifying out of the stock market. Smartest trader I know, a guy named Nick Santiago. He thinks we're good for another 10 years before the next blow up. Mm. And these blow ups happen every 10, 11 years. They're not exact cycles, but pretty much the last time we had a blow up was 08, 09. It right. lasted through 10 and 11. We didn't start coming back till 12, barely started. And here we are 10 years, years later. later. Yeah. It's rinse, repeat. Stock market, be a contrarian and uh, try to think out of the box. I mean, you know, like Airbnb, I still, I still believe in the concept. It Love just shows model. that no concept is risk-free. Right. Yeah. There's nothing risk-free. Right. Risk, don't be in fixed fixed yielding debt, all right? Mm. Don't buy, uh, for me, I wouldn't be buying uh, government bonds from any government. I think that's really risky. Fixed income and just leaving your money there, it's probably gonna rapidly deteriorate. To tell my listeners again, the financialsurvivalnetwork.com is your place. You've got all kinds of, I mean, you, you did say at the beginning of the show, over 7,000 podcasts, you've done you've done plenty of, of work there to give us good information. We can stop by there. Uh, it's a great website. There's lots of information. Carrie, I really want to thank you Thanks. for being on the show and giving us some insight into what's coming. And, and I really, uh, it was nice to hear uh, another person that says, yeah, it's going to be bad, but it's going to be survivable and we're going to be okay. So Carrie, oh, yeah. again, 
thanks again for joining yeah. us on the Real Estate Rundown. I look forward to talking with you again soon. Hey, thank you so much. Just one other thing. Sure. I knew this crash was coming. I didn't know when, but I've been preparing for it for 12 years now since the last one, <laughs> which we knew this one would be far worse than 08 and 09. And here we are. Not right. that I'm a psychic or anything else, just a student economic cycles. Shannon, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to talk with you and give you my views. I appreciate your time, Kerry. Have a great day. Thanks again, guys.